cut this out. Cut this little part out. It don't need to be in the show. Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co's here, Ryan. I'm in a faraway place. In a closet. And Scott. I'm in my luxurious brand new digs that no one can see because this is a podcast. <laughs> yes. For audio- they look nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for audio listeners, Scott has finally gotten his official gaming table, streaming table that he has been wanting for quite some time. Um, it is very nice. I helped him put it, to, uh, basically put it, install it in his house. Yeah. Um, it is cool. And we, even just today of this recording, we have worked slowly towards the goal of getting that entire setup together so that he can do stuff with some Alacra Studios. Yep. Any any new project is inevitably going to have like six or seven major hurdles, and mm-hmm. we're on hurdle number two now. Yep. Uh, so, there we go. Hopefully, uh, they, yeah, no. hopefully it's like going downhill and they, we just get faster as we go roll, roll over the fo- falling hurdles hopefully yep. yeah um if you're listening to this everyone um we apologize for the lateness this is mostly my fault i was sick and i just couldn't get out of bed really and it was very hard for us to record so i apologize for that please forgive me uh you'll get normal content at normal times just like always uh this is just coming out late um but Thankfully, Scott did us a big solid, and you'll hear later in the episode, he had a great interview with Matthew Webb. Yeah, we, we talked about many, many things, mostly uh, bespoke, uh, you know, uh, bespoke blockbuster, whatever you want to call it. We, we get deep into the terminology of the, of the whole thing. Hmm. So uh, y'all, y'all should uh, have a listen to that. It'll be coming up pretty soon in the episode. Yep. Yeah. So, but how's everyone's? Well, we t- talked about uh, Scott's gaming a little bit because he's got yep. his fancy new table. What about Ryan? Anything from you? I'm playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, an unhealthy amount. Oh, <laughs> good. I've I've heard good things. That's the school one, right? It's it's the Crusader Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I've noticed Ryan has a has a predilection for like I find one video game mm-hmm. and I play the living bejesus out of it. Yeah, that, that's um, that's my style. I, yeah, um, I kind of once I get my hooks into one, it's I'll play it very, 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 very hard <laughs> for going basically everything else, and then I will stop. And yeah, then- uh, and gaming wise, this Friday I'm going to be playing in a one shot run by B Dave Walters of L.A. by Night. Uh, which I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking oh, forward to no. talking to that guy and seeing uh, seeing what's up with uh, with the undisputed t- bear in the valley. <laughs> undisputed, totally. Undisputed. Holy shit, that's some good shit on that show. By yeah. the way, um, I have I'm super behind. I've been trying to catch up on a thousand million other things. Um, from gaming wise, for me, I haven't been doing too much besides helping Scott a little bit with his with his setup. Um, I've been playing thanks to Ryan a whole bunch of Bloodborne. Holy crap! You got good. I, I'm getting better. I'm not the GUD yet, but I am getting better. Dude, there's like the gulf between I can beat the game and I'm real, real good at the game. Yeah, it's just so big. Oh man, it it uh, every every boss fight. I'll talk about more of that in Patreon content. So buck a month if you want to hear about Matthew's terrible progress in the Bloodborne. <laughs> um, but I wanted to go also before we get into the bulk of the show um, for Scott's interview with Matthew. Uh, wanted to let everyone know we got a new patron. We have actually two new patrons. Yay! 
Rick and Chris, thank you guys very, very much for becoming patrons. I appreciate that. I think it was because I started pimping out Aeon to people, telling them we've been doing Aeon, and I'm like, hey, guys, here, listen to these. We, we can tell you how the system really works, because with the Aberrant Kickstarter, there's a lot of us that are still now with it fully funded and off, off to start being developed. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are like, well, how does this work? Well, how does Aeon do this X thing? And we're like, well, we have a live play, so you can understand how to run a better a run Aeon better for your game. Yep, and there's more of that shit coming soon. Yep, 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 yep. Now the Aeon expansion will be down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, let me do some quick news, and then we'll get into the interview. Um, well, Gen- we talk we talk a lot about what uh, what yeah. came out at Gen Con uh, mm-hmm. with Matthew in the interview. So. Yeah, um, just hitting the highlights real quick is Sixth World uh, Shadowrun Sixth Edition essentially. We got Pathfinder uh, Second Edition is officially released, and something that I don't yeah was at Gen Con, but I don't know if you guys talked about it yet, which was the uh, Cult of the Blood Gods from Onyx Path? Uh, we didn't talk a lot about that, but mm-hmm. we've talked about that before on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't really released much new information regarding that, so mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be like the Giovanni Cappadocians and mm-hmm. then all the other like weird kindred religions. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're finally giving the, the, the Cult of Lilith its mm-hmm. like full full write-up, which yep. I'm super happy about. Yeah, all those things are super great. They're just because of Gen Con, that's the bulk of the uh, sort of the RPG news for now. I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll hear a lot more in the next couple of months. Um, Ryan, before we get out of here, anything else you would like to add? No. Okay, cool. Not a problem. All right, everyone, enjoy the interview. All right, well, welcome everyone to the interview section or the discussion section uh, of the show. Uh, I'm I'm here with Matt Webb of Jackalope Live Action Studios. Hi. Thank you, Matt, for coming on the show. Uh, as you probably already heard, everyone, our, our co-hosts are out of the out of commission for a bit, so it's just going to be me and Matt tonight. Um, so uh, you just got back from Gen Con. Woo. Yes, uh, that was a weekend. And a half. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like it was a pretty big deal for both you and Jackalope. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, first of all, let's just go ahead and, and right off the bat, Elysium Chronicles. That sounds interesting as I'll get out. But yeah, that is. That's like the uh, first stab that White Wolf has taken towards having an official LARP s- story arc in a long mm-hmm. time. And yeah. uh, it's uh, kind of a big deal. Um, so. It's where basically uh, the Camarilla and V5 is getting the Jackalope treatment. Awesome. In a big way. Uh, did you watch the announcement? Oh, absolutely. I was there live for it. I actually was uh, out sick that day, so I was able <laughs> to watch it live without eating up my data on my phone. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. I was, I was. I was. I kind of suspected that something along those lines was what you were you were teasing, especially once you said you were there at the White Wolf booth for it. Uh, but once you unveiled the full breadth of it, I was just floored and am totally looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll be able to make you know some, if not all, of the events. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be teasing a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we were teasing stuff for months um, as mm-hmm. we were getting getting everything finalized, and then they invited us to Gen Con to do the launch that Thursday. And <laughs> wow. Yeah, and uh, so we, uh, Jason Carl was there. He and I got to live stream. So the idea behind the Elysium Chronicles is we're kind of trying to get the best of both worlds when it comes to like the big immersion and the high production values of the bespoke style, what some call blockbuster, you know, some mm-hmm. called Nordic, though Nordic means so many things. Absolutely. Uh, LARPs. 
and we're trying to get some some of the flavor but not all there's certainly not a replacement for what most people might think of when they think of vampire larp is just the big continuous monthly sort of game mm -hmm. so the idea behind elysium chronicles is is that uh jackalope is going to be the steward of a live action living world of darkness which is instead of being connected by having local chapters and a monthly game what it is is that jackalope one runs one big game every year which which takes on the the topic of the camarilla in the new version of vampire the masquerade the fifth edition and runs LARPs based on how is the Camarilla reacting to the challenges of the modern knights. They've gotten a lot more uh, feudal. They have gotten a lot more regressive. They've gotten far more um, aggressive towards the Anarchs. They're now in a state of open war. There's an entire state of flux, which is part of the developments of the fifth edition. Um, and the question is, is how is the Camarilla really taking that on and the elysium chronicles will be about that it will be big games and beautiful places uh held in different every single game there will be one per year probably every eight to 12 months mm -hmm. that where you can play the same characters throughout the uh, cycle which is the we will run a three-year story arc and they will have three main Chronicle games. Um, and you can reprise the same character if it's still valid through those three games if you attend all of them. And if it makes sense, you know, not mm -hmm. if you died or various other things. But in addition to that, in addition to these games, which are going to be more destination events, it's going to be that we're going to rent out some giant Greek revival museum or some southern antebellum mansion or some giant marble ballroom somewhere, and we're going to do something really fancy, like the kind of mm -hmm. vampire LARP we might have always dreamed of. And you buy your ticket, and it's like all-inclusive, and you mm -hmm. get your food, you get your drink, you get uh, your hotel rooms, everything, and you get three days of playing, like completely immersed in the world of darkness but in addition to that that is gonna be that's a jump right that's like mm -hmm. i don't know how many thousand dollar vacations you go on every year not every year maybe once every five years <laughs> or ten years right i mean it's, if you look at if you add it all up it's a good deal right oh, yeah, i mean absolutely. if you, you get your food you get your hotel i mean you get all that you know and we say there's it's like 1200 bucks right if you add it all up it's not a bad deal mm -hmm. but that is a hump and oh yeah there's always this question of accessibility so the other thing that we're going to be doing, either ourselves, we're going to oversee them and we're going to do some of these ourselves, others are going to be through partners, is that we're going to do what's called vignette games. And vignette games are like a game which is set as being a one-shot event that is set in the Elysium Chronicles continuity for that cycle, mm -hmm. but covers a specific aspect of the world of darkness. So what if we rented out a warehouse in LA and ran a one-night party that was the Anarch Rave in LA that reacted to what happened in mm -hmm. the Chronicle game. And that would be a much lower price point. It's like six hours. It's in a very different location, but it allows for all sorts of different people at various price, at various levels to engage with this Chronicle, right? And engage with yeah. this, this product. 
Well, that sounds absolutely awesome. And like I said, I'm definitely going to try and uh, get in on that at some level, depending on where and when you're running those games. Um, it sounds like a lot like kind of Convention of Thorns is a big influence on oh, what absolutely. you're doing. I mean, this is a way of doing an American or North American uh, Convention right. of Thorns. We're going to run these in Canada, the United States, and if we can find a good partner, Mexico. That sounds great. Um, yeah, so that absolutely sounds like a really big step forward in terms of how Vampire LARP or LARP in general is handled in, in this new 5th edition. Now, obviously, I love the 5th edition. I've been running a 5th edition game uh, that you played in a couple of times. Yes, yes. Uh, that uh, has been dealing with uh, sort of the more anarch side of things. Uh, so I'm absolutely jazzed to see uh, the 5th edition because even like Mind's Eye Theater uh, rules haven't touched 5th edition yet and that whole thing. So this, this seems to be a pretty bold way of bringing that continuity into the LARP scene. Yeah, and this is a new idea, and we'll see, uh, we'll see how it flies. Eyes, right, you know. So, so we'll get into more uh, things about bespoke uh, and uh, blockbuster, or whatever word you want to use to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but was uh, in, in terms of uh, Gen Con, was there anything else that you got involved with at Gen Con or saw at Gen Con that you just thought was cool that you might want to talk about for a bit? Well, um, one Gen Con is just amazing. It's, it's okay. hard to grasp the scale of it. It really <laughs> is like. You haven't lived until you've walked in on a Thursday night and seen like five football fields of back-to-back gamers playing board games, uh, and it's amazing. Catalyst Game Labs had a great booth, as they do every year. They're the ones mm-hmm. who handle Shadowrun and Battletech, um, and they had a really good play area going on. I'm really excited what they're doing with, I think it's sixth edition of Shadowrun. Um, had a talk with Jason, their line editor, uh, about... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, another big, well, another really big thrill is meeting the, the Pond Smiths at the Artalsorian booth. They mm-hmm. were launching Cyberpunk Red. Um, they launched their Jumpstart kit, and they were sold out every single day. Uh, and I got, I, I got more than anyone else did because I, I abused my privileges as a well, licensee yeah, from them, you? right? <laughs> why wouldn't you? I got, I, I might have. Well, I mean, I got some for the for the. We ran the Cyberpunk Night City LARP. Mm-hmm. Mike Pondsmith loved it. Um, he got to he got to gush at me for it. Mm. Um, he I got the Jumpstart kit. It's or yeah, I got the Cyberpunk Red, which is the new edition of Cyberpunk 2020. Uh, came and it's got a beautiful box set uh i got to see the uh level up dice did their premium dice for uh vampire the masquerade with the clan symbols on them oh i need me i need me some of those those look so good yeah i mean and they had that they had a prototype of their onk box for it which is like it's like more than a foot long and it's got spots for 15 it looks like the camarilla hog yeah i saw i saw the picture you got uh i'm actually pretty happy with the uh, the dog mite uh one that i have oh yeah my dice yeah no the uh, like they actually had to apparently smooth down the points on this mm-hmm. aluminum case or else it would be classified oh, as a weapon <laughs> yeah most certainly would most yeah. certainly would um yeah uh so that sounds like you saw a lot of really cool things at gen con did you catch any like announcements or any any um, so Vampire the Master HG Games is coming out with the uh, had their prototype mm-hmm. for their non collectible card game uh, Vendetta for Vampire the Masquerade. It's really good. It's like a really? three round 
like auction style game where you're trying to gain control of like figures inside Chicago by night. It's all based on Chicago by night. Mm -hmm. Um, and you build your hand and it's like a Trump, it's like a uh, trumping game where you try to, you know, you're bidding on these characters and you're spending blood and all that. But what really impressed me about the design of it is that they really captured the flavor because each deck has, is for a different clan Mm -hmm. and they really captured the flavor of the clans in those. Like the Toreador deck is all about using allies and benefiting for having more allies and influence. Um, the Tremere deck is all about screwing around with people's blood pool. The Bruja deck is very about one-on-one confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Gangrel deck I didn't get to play, but it seemed to be mainly about um, drawing strength from conflict. Like the hmm. more power people bring to the foil, the better your cards get. Um, That's interesting. There's a way of putting, like, the Tremere have tons of, like, screw-over, you can win at but what cost cards. Oh, boy. Yeah, so you can get that they really, and they didn't really spell out, they didn't have to Mm -hmm. hit you over the head with the fact that these are themed. It's just that the abilities that the cards gave you were really were really thematic. Like, uh, the nastiest card I saw is is Cauldron of Blood, which is, like, everybody who's an opponent for you for this one person loses, like, half their blood pool. Oof. <laughs> and that's, that's before the the like bidding war starts. It's mm-hmm. like immediately just bam. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've definitely been noticing that you know White Wolf Paradox have been really aggressive with the branding and the licensing uh, for Vampire. There's all sorts of Vampire products in the in coming out in the works, which I'm excited about. I I'm well, a lot of them look really cool. I think the one I'm looking forward to most is uh, Heritage, the the legacy style. The, yeah, unfortunately they didn't have that. They did have Vampire the Masquerade chat. Chapters, which you probably would like. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that as well. It's like Mansions of Madness a little bit, except for it's mm-hmm. more like a, it's a storytelling game told through a board game. Yeah, I've, 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 I haven't had a chance to play a game like that, but I've heard that they've been, people have been playing around with that sort of thing for a while, and it's cool to see it in Vampire. It looks good. These, uh, I think the team is based out of Montreal, um, mm-hmm. and they're really smart guys, and they're developing these, like, the miniatures are beautiful. Like mm-hmm. absolutely, and the art for the like, they have like scene tiles which are kind of very similar to the, like the top-down square tiles you see at like Mansions of Madness or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's just this beautiful like dark World of Darkness noir noir feel. I would buy these things just to have like tabletop stuff, mm-hmm. like yeah. maps, and the miniatures are fantastic. Um, and it just looks really, really pretty. And the guys who are running it are just really smart. Um, and I got lots of really high hopes for that. But Vengeance really was, of all the things I really got to play, uh, Chapters wasn't really complete enough to play yet. Mm-hmm. They, they had some stuff out. They had a little bit of a demo going on. Vengeance, I mean, sorry, not Vengeance. Vendetta was, there was enough of it to play. And I enjoyed playing it, even though it was still a work in progress. I think it's got a lot of potential for being a really solid game um yeah yeah uh yeah i've i'm i haven't been able to make it to gen con myself i made it to origins once mm-hmm. uh dragon con is my local beyond con again and that's a huge convention but it's very spread out in terms of its focus mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm 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 hoping i can make it to gen con at least once time in my life because it sounds like a hell of a con um, but so that out of the way, let's go <laughs> ahead and move into our sword and mortar general topic, uh, which is bespoke blockbuster, whatever you want to call it, LARP style. I hate them. They're the most terrible thing ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, why, why would we do anything like that? So, yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm super interested in this style of LARP. I'm, I've kind of put my toe into it. Uh, first, I actually played, um, uh, it was Project Ascension was the first style of that game that I played. They did an Atlanta run. Uh, and then I played virtually Night City, Cyberpunk, which Jackalope ran. Mm-hmm. And I'm super goddamn looking forward to Night in Question. Like, I've been... Uh-huh. I have been, uh, like, I think last year I had already bought the tickets for PAX Unplugged, mm-hmm. which was literally, like, the next weekend, so it was like, I was killing myself <laughs> wanting to go to the night in question, but I couldn't afford the, to justify the expense. So I am super interested in this style, so, uh, you know, yeah, the night in question is going to be even bigger, because we got uh, Jason Carl, Alexander Ward from... Uh, LA by Night is yeah. coming. There might be some other people coming that I can't announce yet. Justin Achille is going to be there. We're going to have a meet and greet with all of them. It's going to be great. That sounds super cool. I'm super. I, I'm really looking forward to, meet, to meeting those people. I I spoke with Jason. We had an interview with Jason Carl about a year ago, uh, and he's a super cool guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm super interested. So by whatever name you want to call it, since you're definitely the, the expert well, in the room let's, here. Well, I can, I can break those things down because sure, it actually yeah. means slightly different things. So the, there's Nordic, right? And here's mm-hmm. the problem with Nordic. Nordic is basically like saying American LARP. It's mm-hmm. the exact same term. It means the schools of, of LARPing, which came and are kind of distinctive to the Nordic countries, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, etc., mm-hmm. Finland. Um, the problem is, is that they're just as varied as we are. They have yeah. some unique ideas. They have some specific emphases that seem to be a common thread, such as communal storytelling and emphasis on story over mechanics and collaboration. They have that going on for them. But beyond that, Nordic can cover everything from games you play in your living room with no uh, costuming whatsoever that are almost like empty stage theater right? Mm -hmm. Like black box. Yeah. Black box theater, like our town or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it can go all the way to the, you know, the massive wizard LARPs in a castle (laughs) in Poland where it's an all inclusive thing. So when we started, when they, we started kind of intermingling those things, that problem came to the fore really, really quickly as that. So you can say, well, Nordic, Nordic means so many things, it's hard for it to mean anything. It Obviously, we know things that are not Nordic, oh, yeah. but it's, Nordic doesn't, doesn't narrow it down. So Blockbuster has come to become the term for a game which is high production value, large scale, um, almost kind of the Broadway play of LARPs, right? Mm-hmm. Expensive tickets, um, often with a lot of perks involved, uh, and it's more of a huge production with a great deal of stage management and stage dressing and played in a destination location usually. Um, so, but not always because Project Ascension is, was in a way a blockbuster game, but might be, mm-hmm. was kind of straddling the, the line between mm-hmm. blockbuster and what some people are calling boutique, which is basically, I'm kind of taking notes from a blockbuster game except for, it's, scale. it's scaled down. It's more I rent out a really nice Victorian bed and breakfast, like Nellie's by Night in Canada, and mm-hmm. it's got 20 or 30 characters, and it's a very similar experience, but obviously it's been scaled down and is far more intimate. And then there's Bespoke, which is a very specific... Um, well, it's a general uh, style and approach to doing 
these collaborative style games, which is you consider to to quote uh, uh, Joe uh, Johanna Kolginen, who's the one of the participation design agency uh, members who they coined the term. I don't know if her or BRK, her partner, did so, but uh, to quote her, what what she says is bespoke is the uh, philosophy that everything is a design surface in LARP. And you design a game specifically to achieve the goal of that specific game. And you adjust the rules to fit the flow of the game. And you are you are willing to put rules and put systems on anything, but, but you get rid of anything which doesn't serve the story or doesn't serve your hmm. goal. So that's the idea of bespoke. It's made to purpose. Um, and it also emphasizes this idea that the player is the most important calibrator of their experience. So there's an emphasis on collaboration and consent within Bespoke as a philosophy. So when you hear people say a Nordic game, it's a very broad category, but generally is more of an artistic story-based story flow game that's drawn from that tradition um, with a high emphasis on visual and, uh, visual and story aesthetics. Then mm -hmm. you have Blockbuster, which is like a question of scale, and is usually draws from the Nordic tradition. And there's Bespoke, which is more of a design philosophy. So do you call the, the events that you've run so far with Jackalope, are those more Bespoke? Or is, that, is that the, the word that you feel most Yeah, I think Bespoke describes, this, describes the term. Uh, blockbuster is also what they are, I think, mm -hmm. but not everything we're planning would be. So. Yeah. Um, so it's like, these are all intermingled, but they do have different meanings. Like you can run a blockbuster game, which is not a bespoke game. Right. right. Yeah. So I'm, um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed my experience, uh, at cyberpunk night city playing virtually. That's another aspect. We, we actually had Tara on the show a couple weeks ago to talk about virtual LARPs. Uh, and, I'm really intrigued by that concept because it, it, it opens up avenues of accessibility and mm -hmm. just the intricacies of play um, and the idea that you can integrate that style with with any kind of LARP, but, but uh, Blockbuster or Nordic or, whatever, or Bespoke uh, seems to be even better suited for it. Yeah, I mean, Cyberpunk was uniquely suited for it, oh, thankfully, um, the kind of feedback with the virtual world and so forth. Yeah, so it, it it seems like by by scaling everything to the exact experience that you want to have, you're able to experiment and bring in tools that would be more difficult to use in something that's more rigidly structured, and also more uh, simultaneously more open because we can mm -hmm. control the inputs. We can have a lot more controls on the outputs, and uh, bespoke doesn't. I mean, there's that. There's the often contentious terms about narrativist versus simulationist right, and so right. forth. Um, but bespoke doesn't really shunt uh, shun um, just saying you don't do this. Well, mm -hmm. my character could yes, but within the story logic, you won't. Right. right. It's mm -hmm. kind of like in the night in question. We say no one gets embraced until the lights turn red. Mm -hmm. Could you embrace them within the story logic? Yes. Will you? No. That's a rule. <laughs> so you do there's not in bespoke games is kind of like this is a rule we this is this rule serves this story purpose mm -hmm. and that's it's just a rule yeah that's another thing that really intrigues me is the just the total consent based uh 
dynamics that you've got going on in your games, uh, which are, you know, from a, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my time uh, LARPing in Boffer, and that's, you know, that's a concept to get your head around uh, when you can literally, like, you know, define something for another character by hitting them with a foam pipe. Right. Uh, it, it's, and, and that's an interesting concept to me. Um, but it works, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely it does. I mean, in con- like, when, when you think about it for a bit, because, you know, I've, uh, you know, I, I think one of the sort of the universal uh, problems with LARP is the idea that, you know, who who's controlling the fun and where does where does the the sort of the the pressure points on fun uh happen and you know someone can do something that can ruin your night or ruin your your weekend right um in a in a game where you have sort of more competitive based uh rules whereas in a purely consent based situation if you know something is just going to shut you down and ruin you for you know the experience that you're trying to go for you can manage that by yourself and and not have to uh, obey the whims of, of you know whoever might have whatever intention for your character and that's something you know Boffer LARP has that problem like you know like Mind's Eye Theater style LARP has that problem where people can just be out to get you or do something unintentionally that messes with you and that it seems like consent style that hedges that out well I mean it's not perfect I mean consent based mm-hmm. games do have their own problems uh, I've written extensively in support of competitive games I think that it just it has a very different emphasis and I think com- competitive or rigidly structured games have a role and I'm, I don't think I, I don't think there's not anything magical about consent um, I think that it allows for different avenues and it serves specific stories better Mm-hmm. Um, and by, by magical black, I said, I mean, of course, consent based mechanics, right. um, the entire idea of conflict driven games, I'm actually for so mm-hmm. long as the people re- mark, mark them as such. And they also pursue, uh, they, they pursue healthy competitive atmospheres of good sportsmanship and good behavior and, uh, clear communication and, um, fair fair dealing mm-hmm. um so there's there's nothing magical about it i think that a lot of times when people start talking about blockbuster games they have these really intense wonderful experiences mm-hmm. and they discover this cornucopia and this and this euphoria of having gone through this experience because it, it doesn't have any of those things you're talking about right but i think it leads to kind of an oversell Right. And a, a uh, diminishment of what is the various positive aspects of competitive play, which are many and various various. Yeah, something I've, I've sort of picked up on is the importance of establishing, you know, very elaborate character ties and sort of pre-planning out some things. So because you don't have the rules to fall back on to have a, a more spontaneous experience, you kind of have to manage your story and manage your drama a little bit more actively in that sort of system. At least that's what it seems like looking from the outside. Well, it, it certainly helps. It's definitely having some pre-planning going. But the, another thing about the consent-based mechanics and how it allows you to in in spontaneously communicate your intentions and and to improvise with people through you know things like safety check-ins and so forth mm-hmm. you do have a lot more freedom to improvise and people feel more safe improvising in the fact that they can take risks and they 
manage the consequences of those risks well in a competitive game you take risks and you can get you know as to to summarize where you're going with the previous statement Mm -hmm. hosed um (laughs) so (laughs) uh and you sit out and you're sitting there filling dots on a sheet for an hour while you're figuring out what you're going to do with the rest of your evening before people go to denny's I'm oh, sorry. Just, was that just, real? Yeah, no. You're talking a lot. You're talking about some like my early twenties. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. It 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 definitely sounds like a, a sort of a different beast. Um, and another thing that that, I mean, especially with you're you're talking about the things with the Elysium Chronicles and how there's a set continuity, but it it goes in a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, just this is just my sort of my observations about some of you know more long-running org LARPs or continuity-based LARPs is people get super invested in their characters and winning for their characters, and that in and of itself can provide an environment where you know your agenda or the things that you want for your character can hedge out. Uh, the experiences of other people and it sounds like by keeping the continuity in sort of contained mm-hmm. and and very set boundaries that that's a way to have the sort of continuity without getting that sort of deep potentially toxic investment well yeah i mean no one gets out alive at the end yeah. of the night um and that's one of the benefits of one shots and we're it is a it is to a certain extent a risk to uh take on this continuous story but also, we're trying to dem- we're trying to make it so you're invested, without mm-hmm. having to be worried about losing. Because I think that actually, the most toxic behavior is not playing to win. The most toxic behavior is playing not to lose. That's interesting. So I cannot achieve some grand agenda, but keep my character and keep my ties and keep playing the story that I want to continue with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, I think, the most toxic behavior you get is when there's a emphasis on not losing, because if you lose, you lose everything, and it has a bunch of out-of-character consequences and so forth. So the worst kind of play is actually playing not to lose. Um, people who play to win lose more often, but they win bigger. Mm-hmm. So they tend to have a better time. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but that's the real... There's a lot of cool research. There's a great book called Top Dog, which is about the nature of competition and the psychology and so forth. And they really talk about how playing not to lose is actually the problem uh, because you play mediocrity and mm-hmm. you don't take risks. And if you really want to win the Super Bowl... You're going to do some Hail Marys. You're going to do some things. If you just want to get keep your points, right, mm-hmm. it's going to be in a different thing. Uh, football breaks down as a metaphor here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like playing not to lose tic-tac-toe as opposed to playing to win. Right? Yeah, as you're going for the draw. Right. Yeah, well, another thing is, like, when you have a character for just, like, one weekend or maybe a couple of weekends, the idea that you can you can embrace the beautiful death as a as a element of your story yeah. becomes far more viable than if you know you're 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 planning on playing this character for 6 5 whatever however many years and you really want to hold on to their their existence well yeah i mean there's this great um there's a phrase which has many meanings in japanese some of which are darker than others called i think it's called gyokusai if i'm i might be butcher, butchering that which is to shatter like a jewel um, mm-hmm. and that's like the concept of the beautiful death. Um, 
just as a preview that's you know that concept has been used in really dark ways through the imperial history of japan you know in order to justify self-sacrifice but ultimately it's the poetic concept that even in your death you shame your enemies uh, which right. is very, very, very Japanese, <laughs> um, especially and very yeah. vampire and very vampire and very it's the it's very kind of like the tragic it's very tragedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you get into the concept of you can finally explore tragedy without exploring tragedy, ultimately making it so that you've inve- you've lost two to three years of investment into a character, which is what mm-hmm. you see in these large chronicle games where I'm no longer walking in and being important in my local game and my monthly hobby is forever altered as opposed to, I can embrace the the tragedy of the individual, um, which, you know, gets back into there's, um, there's a great book called the birth of tragedy It's uh, Nietzsche's first book actually, because mm-hmm. he was, ult- he was ultimately a classicist before he got into weird philosophy and Ubermensch and all that crap. But he talks about how like the Greeks embraced the concept of a tragedy because you can look at the tragedy of the individual and see the like beauty, the tranquil beauty of existence. Um, and you can be in this moment of, uh, I think Kierkegaard called the sublime, which yeah. is something which is beautiful in its awesomeness in its destructive power. Um, and I'm getting really cerebral here, but Hey, indeed I, you I, are, I, but yeah. Hey, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. That's what I yeah. love. Well, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I've, I've been known to wax philosophical about LARP and it's, it's what its uses are, uh, you know, as a, as a substitute, substitute or enhancement to things like, you know, the human need for ritual or the human need for story or narrative mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and meaning in their life. You know, I'm, I'm not a church going man, so I got to get it somewhere. Uh, why do you think so many lapsed Catholics are into vampire? I'm just oh, putting yeah, that out not, there. You're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it definitely seems like LARP as a hobby is just kind of undergoing this really exciting renaissance where it's just, we're trying all sorts of different things and, and putting a lot of peanut butter and a lot of chocolate. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and definitely what you guys are doing at Jackalope seems to be, you know, one of the, the bigger forefronts of those. Yeah. I mean, we have a phrase at Jackalope, which is we don't make apologies. Um, <laughs> and there's two aspects of that. One, we don't do things that will require an apology. And I, I mm-hmm. say that to our employees, but the other thing is that once we've decided to do something, whatever, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, hate us if you want to, but you know, yeah, say whatever you want about us, but spell our name right. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I say as I, you know, play with a, a PT Barnum coin on my mm-hmm. desk, a, <laughs> nice. a silver dollar. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, and also we have a big emphasis on like do what you are doing, mm-hmm. not anything else. So. Like when we're doing the night in question, which is that big Sabbat horror LARP that I, I, that your listeners may or may not be familiar with. Oh, we, we've talked about it quite a bit. Yeah. It's super exciting. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, what we do there is like, how do we do an awesome from dusk till dawn, blade, mm-hmm. blood rave or whatever? And how do we create these awesome moments? And how do we create this, you know, incredible horror experience out of everything? Mm-hmm. And once you do this, so everything is focused on that. And we will, indu- and also we embrace the fact that it is willfully fictional. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there an explanation of why there 
are going to be shower heads on the dance floor and we're going to do a blade style blood rave is there a good is there a good rational reason for this i mean not in character mm-hmm. other than it's fun that's awesome. Like, why wouldn't you not? Why would you not do that? Right. Embrace the cool. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of like just. I I think um. I I think that what I I the the thing that I think is going on, in and. We kind of emphasize in the jackalope stuff is we call it the the renaissance of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, wherein it's just like, well, what's the reason for that? Because it's awesome. That's why. Mm-hmm. Because people are going to go into there and they're going to get their money's worth and they're going mm-hmm. to have an awesome moment. And they're going to be telling stories about that for the rest of their life and they're going to be glad they went. And if there's, if you want to deconstruct that, you can do that on your own time. I will <laughs> be over here being cool. <laughs> yeah, and you absolutely. can And you can be, you know, dissecting the frog and killing it. Um, so I'm not saying that we shouldn't be self-aware at all, but Mm -hmm. there's a point in which, you know, uh, cynical analysis kind of is an enemy to joy. And I think that you can kind of embrace like, why are we doing this? Because it's cool. Because it's cool, it's fun, and we paid a lot of money to do it, so why not go out, go all out? Right, and that's why it's like, you know, when we hand over and, you know, the night in question is a good example. Uh, This November 16th. um, (laughs) It's, we hand out to people this idea that, you know, it's 1998. Be awesome in 1998. Leather jackets, jinkoed pants, chain wallets, do that. Have fun. Yeah, as, as, as soon as I get my as soon as I get my character for that, that's when the 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 raiding of my old closet or going to Goodwill is going to start to to recreate my eighteen year old self in some fashion. <laughs> exactly, and uh, even people who you know weren't even born in the nineties who shown up. I mean, I've been very very pleased with the kind of newer generation of LARPers that are coming in, and mm-hmm. they go like. Fuck yeah, you know, studded leather jackets and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all this stuff. You know, I'm going to wear loud Hawaiian shirts <laughs> and I'm going to act like, you know, I, I'm going to be a 90s cool kid. And well, well, that's super appropriate, like, given that, you know, Vampire was very much a child of the 90s. And, yeah. like, it, it, I mean, it was, it, to a certain extent, it helped define. Uh, at least a corner of that aesthetic and that that way of of expressing yourself. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, Vampire is the hidden pop culture force of the '90s, and it's becoming one again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I think it has a certain immortality to it, but I'm ching. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it allows people to just go, you know, unabashed, unabashedly embrace that aesthetic and you know to a certain extent the 90s were the last era of cool right the 2000s mm-hmm. and 2010s came, became the uh, the rise of chic and scene and all these mm-hmm. things which kind of derived less from being awesome in your own right and more being more uh, you know being more critical is how you right. how you how you got status um, or being more detached as opposed to the 90s aesthetic, which have, which seem to be far more um, things that are just look good and feel good and are fun. There's a lot more, yep. there's a lot more emphasis on just sheer like fun. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is certainly interesting to be, you know, uh, ha- having come of age with the internet and and seeing the the tides of of culture and and being very much connected to the '90s myself because you know that's when I was 18. Um, but it certainly is, and I'm 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 interested to see how uh, Elysium Chronicles is going to sort of capture the more modern aesthetic. Uh, but through that sort of archaic Camarilla lens. Well, I mean, one of our unofficial motto for Elysium Chronicles is uh, look good, be bad. <laughs> um, you know, we want people to go into there being a beautiful location. I want them to be dressed to kill, and we will help them do that. And I want them to enjoy being, uh, being in this dark Versailles where mm-hmm. there is it, the image of the Elysium Chronicles is this person in a three-piece suit having a very polite conversation with blood drying underneath their fingernails and, you know, the sound, the smell of gasoline just in the in the smart distance. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously something very brutal and savage behind this veneer of civilization. Um, this very purposefully created veneer of civilization mm-hmm. uh, that you dare not contradict. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, the, the, the sort of the face of the cam uh, very up close and very vivid, uh, given that, you know, there are a bunch of fascists and we're, <laughs> we're dealing with that uh, yeah. in, in a slightly more political reality. Um I want to classify yeah. them as fascists. I would classify them as uh, oligarchs. Yeah, um, fair enough. They don't believe that they need to force everyone to lockstep. They simply mm-hmm. believe that they are destined to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have no sense of populism. They, yeah, that, they, they that, live in a uh, world of betters, of betters. That might be the I'm running an anarch game talk. Sure. I mean, an uh, anarch would totally use fascists as a shorthand. Oh yeah, absolutely. But. Well, one one of my favorite sort of techniques when running a game or playing in a game is the idea that whoever you're playing is sort of the de facto good guys, and that makes the other side uh, the de facto bad guys. Right. Uh, and that's how you play into it. But then you start, you know. Eh, Posing those questions of, are you really the good guys? Are they really the bad guys? Um, but from a base level assumption, in order mm. to make the story work, you sort of set up those those goalposts initially. Uh, and it's it's super interesting to play, you know, the different factions against each other. It's one of the big reasons I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what they do with Sabat and V5. Uh, I've had hints of that. I hope I work on that project. But, <laughs> you know? Yeah, who knows? Um, be really cool. And so the uh, entire thing, I think, this because back to that, is that you have two bespoke games, like The Night in Question, you have The Elysium Chronicles. Everything about The Night in Question is about over-the-top, monstrous vampire violence and blood and guts horror. We call it splatterpunk. Mm-hmm. And everything is about that. There's gore buckets. There's rules for violence. There's stuff mm-hmm. like that. And the rules are all about enabling that sort of play and making sure it's safe and sane and consensual. Mm-hmm. Um, to if you go over to the Elysium Chronicles, the rules are there's going to be a resource game involved, perhaps. Mm-hmm. We're working on the design mm-hmm. there, where to give this kind of political maneuvering more play, 
Uh, the idea that you do vignettes during the day to play out like moments of people's past in order to mm -hmm. emphasize this kind of soap opera. Um, those things are constructed with the lens towards pushing for a very another a very different kind of story, which is right. what makes a bespoke game a bespoke game is that it goes beyond what most people consider to be a LARP is defining that which you cannot play out. Mm -hmm. um, which is either, I want to hit you, I'm not actually going to hit you, we're going to do rock, paper, scissors, I'm going to use a foam sword, something of that nature, in order to only simulate the parts of things which can't be simulated reasonably in real life, right? Right. Um, as opposed to a bespoke game, which is, you will do this, or there are rules in which I can tap you on your shoulder, and literally we play out a scene from 20 years ago. And that's mm -hmm. a rule, and right. it's meant to create a very specific situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's super interesting. Like, like I said, the the the, the level of uh, throwing out uh, the sort of the 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 old assumptions about what can and can't be done, uh, and really just sort of getting into the nitty gritty of a very specific experience is super interesting and super exciting to to be a part of and and to see play out mm -hmm. in not just in in vampire or anything that you know jackalope's touching but you know there's all sorts of, like college of wizardry mm -hmm. you've got armistice arcane real royalty like all of these like super keyed in very specific to their genre and their experience and to see it just fractal out in all these permutations is very interesting and very exciting because, you know, we're doing new things with the medium and that's always entertaining. And it's interesting to see the character that each of our studios, I mean, the difference between the studios, um, the various studios that are making games right now is are, are as different as the difference between Disney and, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, if you look at, you know, Neural Magiscola and Learn LARP, uh, the company that runs it, they run a very, they run a tone of game. They have mm -hmm. a emphasis on whimsy and, you know, emotion and personal journey. And they, you know, they're famous for Neural Magiscola, but they do other things as well. Mm -hmm. Then you have like um, very, uh, I was, uh, it's not really a spectrum, but in a different part of things, you have us and Jackalope has a, you know, uh, Ron Liotta, I was on his podcast and he did the greatest compliment ever. And he's called it, we're punk rock, mm -hmm. right? We're just, we're, we're push boundaries. We want to go there. Um, we deal with dark subject matter and we've developed a reputation for being very, very good at doing that in a healthy way. But we want to do something that's a little in your face. You know, mm -hmm. our first game I ever ran was, was a LARP adaptation of this war, this war of mine, mm -hmm. which you've ever played that video game is not exactly a barrel of laughs oh it's not happy uh, no. it, it 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 got to me a little bit when i tried playing it yeah i was actually i was describing uh night in question uh to a friend of mine who had, hadn't heard about it uh and i was like you know oh they're gonna put you in a hole and cover you in in some dirt and some tarp and have to crawl your way out of it i'm like that's a very specific type of person who wants that experience mm -hmm. i am that type of person <laughs> yeah put me in that hole but that is not everyone's cup of tea. No. And, but the 
but you can go elsewhere and get something that is your cup of tea because they we've got all these people who are really innovative and really going for whatever it is that you might want and it's so exciting to see it happen right i mean project ascension was a fantastic cyberpunk game but i mean you can look at the differences between uh the approach we took with cyberpunk night city which we ran Mm -hmm. which was the cyberpunk 2020 license game and the project ascension which was um uh sinking ships um Mm -hmm. cyberpunk game in new york city which Siggy Ship spread it out around the city. It ran out a bar, but had other locations. Mm-hmm. It had various other rules that dealt with it, and they they took a very different approach that developed a really cool situation. While if you went to Cyberpunk Night City, it's this one set which is very you know completely done up. It has a big sweeping experience, but you're not walking around in the streets of New York City being cyberpunk. But that's a very different approach, and mm-hmm. I really, I actually really liked. I have not had the pleasure of playing in their games, but Sinking right. Ship seems to have had a really good success creating these very um, not as visceral as kind of Jackalope's tone, mm-hmm. but creating these very mature, very uh, well groomed experiences for people. And what's the, like I said, once you start looking at these various things, they very much have kitty cat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Once you start looking at these things, you start seeing that they have very much, very much these things take on the character of the people that are making them. And mm-hmm. they definitely have a signature style, and I love it. It's yeah, a- I played I played in the uh, the Atlanta run, uh, which was a very sort of truncated experience of uh, Project Ascension, uh, and it was it was definitely had a vibe to it. It was it was very personal, um, you know, a lot of really interesting, well done things, and they ran it in uh, Treehorn Cider Brewery and had an open bar, so that was fantastic. Oh, of course, yeah. As opposed to Night in Question, which is a dry game because frankly we're dealing well, with enough no. already. Yeah, you don't, you, you don't, you don't. No one needs to be drunk while that's happening. Right. right. We are not shovel heading you while you're three beers in. We're not doing that. Um, but they calibrate it to what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's it, it, that also becomes a part of and managing the audience is part of the bespoke experience as well. Um, there's a whole bunch of like conversation going on about the language. Blockbuster and boutique seem to be the only ones yeah. that everyone agrees on. Yeah, but so be it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you know terms are what they are. Language is a fun little game that we play with each other, mm-hmm. um, but. I think as as long as you know you get a general idea of what it is, and then you drill down into the specifics when you're talking about a specific thing, uh, I think that that's probably for the best. And yeah, I think you got you're uh, you're definitely doing the Lord's work with Jackalope. Everything that I've seen from you guys is super interesting. Everything I've had an involvement with was super fun. Uh, so I think I think we're I think we're in a really interesting new age and. Really appreciate what you're doing with it. Oh, thank you. Um, and I, I appreciate all the people that are spreading the love. And it's been a, every single time we try to do something, we've got an amazing reaction. And, you know, there's just so much going on. There's Event Horizon out on the West Coast, which is a great science fiction game. There's Real Royalty, which is a really good thing. There's even like uh, Dragon Thrones, which is <laughs> this mega game with LARP elements that's not Game of Thrones. Um, Thrones. Yeah, set in not Game of Thrones world. Mm -hmm. Um, And 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 that's, you know, had incredible success. They run it in this uh, 1920s 
or I think earlier mansion in Pennsylvania. So there's all this really cool stuff going on. That's not only just LARP, but what I would consider to be LARP adjacent, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, things like these living escape rooms and these alternate reality games. So it's a, it's an interesting time to see what's going on. And I'm really happy to be part of the forefront of that. I mean, yeah, even look at, if you look at a galaxy's edge, the star Wars thing that they're doing in, in, uh, in Disney world, that's a LARP. Well, they consulted with the guys who did College of Wizardry to do that. Really, they did. Yeah, I uh, didn't know that. That's Klaus was brought in and met the uh, and met the Imagineers and all that. So they're they're paying attention. Um, They absolutely are. I mean, there's activation events which are LARP like, um, Mm -hmm. and we're being brought in to consult on some of those. Um, And you know, with cyberpunk and stuff, we're going to be doing some stuff. So it's there. There's a wealth of you know opportunity and power there that i think that people are realizing and you know i i i'm business development and i do outreach Mm -hmm. and so forth but you know there's a really great team of people behind jackalope there's you know my business partner steve you know who's an amazing guy there's uh michelle and peyton who are 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 big like makeup and prop people there's jack weeks who does amazing like steel work and leather work and costume work and does some of our npcs there's erica who's our software developer and they're all just amazing people. And, you know, Rachel Wilkinson, who's our story lead, helps with our creative stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's too many. I'm going to, I'm missing people. Charles, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Charles Boas, who's just the most interesting man I know, who used to, <laughs> who, who ran a circus and was a Rennie for a lot, many, many years. And he can tell you how to handle an elephant. I, I, <laughs> I know many, I know many are Rennie, and they're, they're yeah. fantastic people. Yeah. Well, that sounds like you have a really great team, and you're, like I said, you're doing the Lord's work. Uh, and thank you for coming on the show and talking about new and interesting forms of playing games, man. Yeah, I mean, and you can follow us on Jackalope LARP on Twitter. We share not only our own stuff, but other cool stuff that's going mm-hmm. on. And you can also find us at Jackalope Live Action Studios on Facebook if you want to keep track of us. And if you want to learn more about the Elysium Chronicles, look for it at ElysiumChronicles.com. Yep, and we'll have all of those links in the show notes so that you can just. Click, click right on. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. It's been really great talking with you again. Well, it's great talking to you, man. All right. Uh, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to Scott Cuban for, for muscling through and doing that interview solo. I appreciate that greatly. Thank you much, Scott. You're welcome. It was fine. Sorry, I'm a crap. It's fine. You, both the two of you had things that came up that were totally understandable, and I was fine and available. Yes. It happens. Yes, yeah. I mean that's why people. That's why you have co-hosts at podcasts that so they can cover cover this, this stuff for you, just straight up. No, but I I enjoyed myself on that interview. I uh, enjoyed talking with Matthew, uh, both on and off camera, as it were. Uh, and just, I'm super looking forward to Elysium Chronicles. Super looking forward to the Night in Question, uh, yeah, which yeah, yeah. we will be uh, getting characters for tomorrow. I think as oh, of next. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. watch your email. All right. It's a whole questionnaire process, like, that's what they'll take us through. Right, Lark Weaver. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that, and yeah, that was a great interview. Uh, Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. I know I did, Um, but we're going to get out of here now. So, from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Welcome back.
Hello, everyone. Just wanted to let you all know, if you want to email us, you can at polyhesionpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get in contact with us via Twitter, you can contact us at PolyhedronCast. And if you want to contact me, I am at BioImportance. If you want to get in contact with me directly, I'm at DivaSmallCav. And I'm a hermit, so just email the show, please. Also, in addition, if you really like the show and you want to support us, go to Patreon.com slash Polyhedron. Give us a buck a month. You get a lot more content, and it'll really help us out. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Oh, sorry to interject, everyone. Matthew here. <laughs> Yet again, I forgot to put this in the main show. Yeah, I've had a week. Uh, slight schedule change for Dragon Con. We are at Dragon Con. We are in the same room, the Galleria 7 uh, in the Hilton. At But it is going to be at 1130 in the morning. That's a.m. on August 31st, rather than 4 p.m. We originally said last episode, this was a last-minute sort of like switcheroo on the schedule i apologize remember 11 30 august 31st in the hilton gallery 7 hope to see you guys out there later